Hey, it's Francis Lamb, host of The Splendid Table, and this week we are talking iconic dishes of the great Midwest with Chef Paul Fairbach and burger scholar, yes, burger scholar, George Motes. It's coming up on The Splendid Table. The Splendid Table, Sunday morning at 11 on Radio Catskill. Support for Radio Catskill comes from Farm Arts Collective, located on Willow Wisp Organic Farm in Damascus, Pennsylvania. Farm Arts Collective's programs intersect the practices of farming, performance, food, and ecology. FarmArtsCollective.org From the Community Foundation of Orange and Sullivan, a publicly supported philanthropic institution, CFOSNY.org. And from listeners like you, who donate at WJFFRadio.org. You're listening to Radio Catskill. WJFF Jeffersonville. W233AH Monticello. Good morning. Welcome to Catskill Character. I'm your host, Donna Fellenberg. And my guest today, hailing from Damascus, Pennsylvania, is Callison Stratton musician, public historian, host of Liberation Station right here on Radio Catskill, and probably most importantly, mother of one-year-old plus Rosie, who is aptly named, I might add. First half of the show, we're going to learn a bit about Callison's history, and in the second half, I am delighted to tell you that Callison is going to perform a few of her tunes. So let's get to it. Welcome to Catskill Character, Callison. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Donna. Thank you so much for having me. You grew up in New York City where your parents, Cass Collins, everyone knows Cass. Everybody and does. Jim Stratton, everybody knows Jim too, live <laughs> in lower Manhattan. Mm-hmm. Your dad had been coming up to the Catskills since the 70s. And as a consequence of that, You had what I think of as the ideal city slash country life. You've actually been coming up here since you were born. Tell us about it. Like you said, my dad had partaken in a co-op bungalow colony in Monticello back in the the 70s. And he'd already been going up there for years. And so me and my brothers all grew up part-time there. And, you know, my dad owned a bar in the city and that affords some flexibility, I would say. So uh, we got to spend a lot of our childhood up here. And actually some of my earliest memories are from being at the bungalow and, you know, just playing in the woods and having that access to fresh air and place to swim. And, you know, I loved growing up in the city, but I always felt kind of like half a country girl, you know? You mentioned the bungalow colony in Monticello, but your mom wanted a four-season place and she and your father purchased their current home in Narrowsburg in 1999. Yep, That place is kind of magical, right? It really is. And, you know, to be honest, I don't think I appreciated it enough when I was younger, you know, because I loved being at the bungalow and that's where all my friends were. Very quickly, I... I got to see that magic of the place. There's a bridge that goes over to the islands in the middle of the Delaware in the eddy. I oh. loved that bridge. Actually helped me overcome my fear of heights, running over that bridge all the time. Honestly, I think that between growing up in 
the city and in the country. It sort of made me fearless in every area. It's a really unique way to grow up. But at the same time, to me, so many of my friends grew up the same exact way. This is all my friends at the bungalow were also city kids and they all grew up lived in lower Manhattan. We all went to school together and then we would come up and spend our summers together. They're still my best friends to this day. And they have all also chosen to come and live here full time. I, I think that that just sort of says something about growing up that way that, I don't know, it helps you to always have your foot in multiple worlds and mm -hmm. to be able to see the world a little bit more expansively and to also see yourself that more expansively and not put yourself in a box of, oh, I'm a city girl, I'm a country girl, that you can kind of, I don't know, contain multitudes. <laughs> Absolutely. I was wondering, were you up here in the flood of 2006? So my family were, my parents and my brother were here in 06 during the flood. I actually, that was during my finals week and I happened to still be in the city and I was staying with my best friend. My parents were like, it's too nice to stay in the city this week. Let's go upstate. And then of course, oh my <laughs> they left me behind and uh, they ended up getting, you know, evacuated by boat out of the flats in Narrowsburg and had to leave behind my guinea pigs. I had these two guinea pigs and they couldn't get out, but they ended up being totally fine. They were like up high enough that the water didn't didn't get them. But the water went up like five feet around the bottom level of the house. And I mean just the pictures from that time were were wild. Um mm. but yeah, no, I was I was sort of <laughs> safely tucked away in the city at that point. But we spent the better part of that summer rebuilding. And honestly the next couple of years we were still working on rebuilding. So after you took those finals and graduated, <laughs> yep. you went to Skidmore College and you majored in American studies. How how was your college experience? How did it evolve? You know, it's interesting. When I first got to college, I thought I was going to major in either music or theater. I don't know. It was just kind of a given because I was a big theater kid and I played music and my parents were very supportive of that. And Skidmore had a great program for both. So I took my first semester just sort of a variety of classes. And then I also just thought, I was like, oh, this looks kind of interesting. And I took a signed up for a class called Women in America. And it blew my mind. <laughs> mm. um, and it was taught by a woman named Mary Lynn, who um, has since passed and ended up being my advisor. And it was in the American Studies Department. And in this class, you know, she basically looked through American history through the lens of women's history. And it, it was something that I hadn't really, I don't know. It just cracked me open <laughs> and it made me sort of fall in love with history in a way that I'd never was never terribly interested in history prior to that. And then the next semester, I just like signed up for as many American studies classes as I could get into and ended up declaring that as my major at the end of the year. And it was a small department. There were 10 other majors in my year. We were all just like a little family. It felt like a way to engage with other people without the competitive nature of the performing arts, which was always the thing that made me shy away from it. It's amazing that you got me on air agreeing to sing because it does. <laughs> I, I, it's only been in the past few years that I have, have really been able to shed some of my insecurities about performing oh. and, uh, well, good so, for you. Oh, it's been a journey, Donna. <laughs> um, but when I, you know, when I was 
18, 19 years old. I just didn't. I was like, oh, don't perceive me, please. So American Studies really was a way for me to find a little community at school and broaden my worldview even more. And I just fell in love with American history. Well, I know after you graduated, you worked in a lot of museums. And I was wondering if you tell the listener about working at the historic Clark Chateau in Butte, Montana. I was the curator. I worked there from 2015 to 2017. And it was, I would say, best experience of my life. So I had gone to Ireland for my master's degree at Trinity College, and I studied public history and cultural heritage with a focus on museums and memorials. And that was sort of my... Um, ah, I, I get it now. Yeah, yeah, all coming together. And so I really wanted to go and work in museums. And so I ended up getting an internship at Fort Missoula in uh, Missoula, Montana. I was the public education intern. I got to go to my first museum conference through them. And it was just a, an extraordinary experience at Fort Missoula, having so many other incredible public historians sort of guide me. Once my internship ended, I was just kind of working around town. I worked at a cafe. I, I was still writing my master's thesis and trying to figure out what my next move was going to be. And I was at a party one night and I start talking to this woman and I was telling her about my, my master's program and that I was trying to figure out what I was going to do next. And she said, this is crazy but I have a job for you. I just wow. submitted a proposal to turn the Clark Chateau into a museum and an art center. And they have been telling me, this is my friend Carson Grace Becker, who is a playwright. It's a historic building. And so you need to find somebody with a history background to do this project with you because, you know, we need to honor the history of the place so you can do the programming and you need to find someone to interpret the history. It was just the most beautiful kismet. And she was and still remains one of my dearest friends. And we ran the place together for a few years and then passed the torch to people who are even more extraordinarily tied to Butte. Both of us were out of towners. Um, we ended up wanting to return to our roots, hers in Chicago, mine in New York. But what I love is that I got to do like the first comprehensive history of that building that had ever really been done. Everything prior to that had been piecemeal. And I got to spend a lot of time working in the Butte archives and sort of separating fact from fiction and then curated all of the exhibits that interpret the history of the house, which are still there on site. This is one of those times when I wish I had more time to talk <laughs> about Montana, for example. But I want to mention that you're now working in the Calicoon branch of the Sullivan County Library System. Yes. And you have a show here, I mentioned it in the introduction, called Liberation Station. Yes, uh, could you just very quickly tell the listener what that's about? Sure. So uh, Liberation Station is a show that primarily just highlights the work of female and femme-presenting performers. So um, I don't really stick to a specific genre. I mean, I have my preferences, but I try to find something for everyone. So every week I kind of just pick a theme, uh, pick an artist to highlight. And as long as they're female or femme presenting performer, I, um, I sort of build my show around it. Mm. And it's a really, it's been a really empowering and fun thing to do. 
And I was really inspired to do the show because I had been reading this article about how disproportionate representation on the radio is for female musicians, especially considering that they bring in just as much revenue in concerts and ticket sales and um, streaming and purchasing all, all kinds of things, music sales. You know, it's just as much as as male artists, and yet radio play is so disproportionately skewed towards male artists. And so I put that in my proposal <laughs> to uh, to the the powers that be, and they loved it. And I think it was it was just something that really meant a lot to me, especially as a female musician, as someone who um, you know also struggles with kind of getting themselves out there and feeling yeah. feeling empowered to do that to be able to highlight other female performers and I get to play people that I know personally, you know, my friends who I went to Skidmore with who are all extraordinary musicians and people that I've met over the years who are still sort of in the up and coming. And that has been really wonderful to be able to highlight them alongside, you know, artists like Dolly Parton or Brandy Carlisle yeah. or, you know, mm -hmm. the household names. That's fantastic, Allison. I, I just want to say one more thing before the break. Sure. Uh, this is about your role as a mom. And I was very impressed with this. I'm going to quote mm -hmm. you. Sure. You told me, as far as Rosie was concerned, I asked you if people ask you if you have plans for her. And you said, I plan to keep her alive long enough for her to figure it out herself. <laughs> and <laughs> I love that. Uh, that's what a good parent does. They don't force their will or their own desires or the things that they missed out on doing yeah. on their children. So, I'm I mean, so I don't think I could force any of my will on her if I tried. <laughs> She's a very strong-willed little person. Uh, uh, yes, I've seen her. I've seen her <laughs> exercising her will. <laughs> She's horrible. Yes, uh, I think this would be a good place to take a break. Sure. You've been listening to Catskill Character on Radio Catskill with today's guest, Callison Stratton. We'll be right back. I'm Juana Summers. And I'm Tanya Mosley. If you collect classic cars and you're thinking about making some room in your collection, please consider donating it. Proceeds help us bring you the NPR news that you expect for your community. Thanks in advance, and here's how to get started. We accept any vehicle, running or not. Donate your car, boat, or motorcycle at WJFFradio.org. Recently on Wait, Wait, we learned where panelist Shantira Jackson perches on the economic ladder. Do you have a Tesla? No, I'm a comedian. <laughs> I'm Peter Sagal. If you have a Tesla, please do not take your hands off the wheel when you listen to this week's show with special guest Jason Isbell, even though Elon says you can. That's the news quiz from NPR. Sunday morning at 10 on Radio Catskill. Welcome back to Catskill Character. My guest today is Callison Stratton. Although she was brought up primarily in New York City, she's been coming up here since she was born and grew up as a city slash country girl. In the first half of the show, we talked about that life, her parents' home on the Delaware in Narrowsburg, her time at Skidmore College, 
her trip to Ireland with the Cultural Heritage Program, and we talked a bit about Montana and Callison's job there as the curator of the historic Clark Chateau in Butte. And of course, we had to talk about her daughter, Rosie. <laughs> in the second half of the show, we're going to talk about Callison's life in music, but primarily, she's going to sing us a few tunes, so let's get to it. As I understand it, Callison, you've been involved with music practically your whole life. Oh, 100%. I grew up just around so much music. I think the earliest record of me singing was, uh, you know, my dad used to sing me the song Summertime by George Gershwin from Porgy and Bess. And that was always my, my nighttime lullaby. And when I was in, yeah. And when I was in preschool, uh, apparently there was a day, uh, where they were all doing like a little, a little performance at the end of the day during pickup, um, for the kids. And they were, you know, all singing, we were all singing like Mary had a little lamb and all that. And after that performance, I just like stood up in front of everyone and started singing summertime. <laughs> and, oh <my. laughs> and I sang the whole song. I was probably two and a half. Aww. And um and my parents weren't there. They they were I think my babysitter picked me up for pickup or something like that. And all the parents ended up telling them about this, you know, after the fact, they're like, what? We've never heard her sing once. But I guess they were talking about it in the car one day and I, I must've been listening because I just burst out and started singing. So they got, they got confirmation. So I've, I've been singing since, I mean, forever. Forever. Uh, well, and, um, yeah. You did tell me that you entered a contest with the song that you're going to sing first. You yes. won the contest and, and doing that, you won a session or yeah, 40 so, sessions. We got to yeah. talk about this real quick because I want okay. to get the music. <laughs> okay, real quick. So yeah, I was uh, several weeks postpartum. I'd just given birth to Rosie and I was just at home. And I just started getting all these messages from people and they said, oh, you got to look at this. And it was uh, the Roscoe Party Farm, which is a an amazing recording studio up in Roscoe owned by Terry Brennan and Wendy Lamonk. And they put out a call for entries for a songwriting contest. And whoever won the songwriting contest would get a free session where they would record the winning song, um, record and produce it. And it was you know, all included. And I, so I just sort of vacillated for a long time. I was like, oh, what am I going to do? What am I going to pick? And I ended up submitting this song at maybe 11.58 PM before the deadline. <laughs> <laughs> and the next morning I woke up to an email saying, hey, Callison, you won. <laughs> um, and it, it just kind of blew my mind. And I, you know, I was just so over the moon for that. And then over the summer, we recorded it up at the party farm and we had the best time I had. I was treated like a queen and they were just so wonderful. And they gave me oh. a funny little trophy as well that sits on my shelf <laughs> with That's a little fantastic. microphone on it. <laughs> well, let's hear it. Let's hear it. Cheshire right. Cat. Silver steed, a feather in your hat. You told me I was not who I was supposed to be and left it at that. 
that I'm fraying at the edges and asking you to lay the cards down flat. And you're old enough to realize when fiction is in fact. Tell me why before my bags are packed. I have threaded my own needle, stitched myself a web, and I broke my only promise that I'd never write a song for you again. We listen to the radio, I'm crimson, you are indigo, and then if you hear the howling of a wolf, it's really just my heart saying he. Before we have to part And I'm nothing of a sailor But I'm married to the sea Nothing of a writer Words just seem to pour out of me meant to solve you are turning on a spindle i am dizzy with the way that we revolve and i'm glad that i can see you why do i somehow it's harder now to fall but i can't help but towing that line that we have drawn and i'll never be the same no, I'll never be the same again until you're gone. Well, it was worth the wait. That was beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you know, live radio, it's not perfect, especially when you're recording on Skype. So, yeah. <laughs> and Thank you know what? You. Let's, let's just do the other song. Sure. called um, Forever Call You Mine. I never asked for help on high. It's hard enough to ask it all. The things I want are gonna have their time. Maybe I can ask for more I'd like to wrap my mind around 
yours and let us think as one and feel your little heart just pound and pound harder than that cow skin drum and oh give me a watch that never moves in time I would kiss your eyelids and forever call you mine. We used to call that cabin home, but now it's just a shadowed hall. Grew azaleas and lemon ball and hung them up to dry for fall. I used to dream there in those trees in a little house I built. Climbed up through those restless leaves, now all of my flowers will. Oh, give me a watch that never moves in time. I would kiss your eyelids and forever call you mine. You came. December in the snow I watched the clock tick until you arrived Love I never thought I'd know and, Oh, give me a watch That never moves in time I would kiss your eyelids and Forever call you mine. Forever call you mine. Forever call you mine. Really nice. I you have a nice smoky quality to your voice. <laughs> Thank you. And Might be the frog, but you know. No, I don't think so. <laughs> Thank you. Callison, I want to thank you for being on the show today. It's really been a pleasure. Thank you so much, Donna, for having me. It's been a joy, and I always love doing anything on WJFF. Callison is on every Saturday at 7 o'clock, as she just said, on Radio Catskill with her show, Liberation Station. Her song, Cheshire Cat, is on Spotify and pretty much anywhere you have your music streaming. It's available on Apple Music and Bandcamp. Catskill Character is on every Saturday at 10.30, except for the last Saturday of the month when Greg Triggs brings us Travels with Triggs. Be sure to tune in then for more stories from fascinating characters of the Catskills. I'm Donna Fellenberg. Thanks so much for listening. Used to call that cabin.
forgotten home Now it's just a shadowed hall We grew azaleas and lemon ball And hung them up to dry for fall I used to dream there in those trees Radio Catskill supporters include the Sterling Business and Technology Park, located at Exit 17 on Interstate 84 in Northeast Pennsylvania, offering opportunities to locate or expand businesses on property zoned for manufacturing and other uses. More information at sterlingbusinesspark.com. And listeners like you, who donate at wjffradio.org. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s final Sunday sermon was titled, Remaining Awake Through a Great Revolution. Today, woke is at the center of our culture wars and divided political discourse. I'm Kai Wright, host of Notes from America. Join me as we look at how this word will shape politics in 2024. It's WNYC's 18th annual celebration of Dr. King from the Apollo Theater in Harlem. Sunday night at 6 with a replay Monday morning at 10 on Radio Catskill. Hi, Daryl Brogdon here, host of the Retro Cocktail Hour, inviting you to join me for the music that's always served up shaken, not stirred. Whether it's TV crime jazz or tiki tunes, space-age bachelor pad music, swinging soundtracks, or other incredibly strange music, it's on the Retro Cocktail Hour. We're on the air every week on Radio Catskill. Wednesday night at 7 on Radio Catskill. WJFF Jeffersonville. W233AH Monticello. You're listening to Radio Catskill, your NPR station for the Catskills in Northeast Pennsylvania.